0: how can you tell your real friends from the fake ones we'll tell you how this week has been a dark cloud for apple's cloud we'll tell you why and we'll get the latest news from mendocino community network that and more on tonight's point and click radio And welcome to Point and Click Radio. This is the bi weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring you the latest
1: internet news. I'm Jim Hyde. And I'm Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk. And Bob Lawton
0: has the night off. He is, as the San Francisco Giants announcers would say, on assignment. And the other difference with tonight's show is that we're not actually here. That is to say, this show is pre recorded, so we won't be taking calls tonight. But we are going to start out with the point and click research desk and Toby Molina because we're going to talk about um, a a, a syndrome that we're seeing more and more of on Facebook. In fact, um, some family was visiting here just last week and they, I will not say fall prey to it because we were able to head them off in the past. But that is this notion of fake friends. That is getting a friend request from somebody who you may already be friends with. Toby has more details over at the point-and-click research desk.
1: Hi, Jim. Hi, Toby. So this weekend, um, our folks were here, my folks were here, and uh, my mom was telling us a tale of getting a Facebook Messenger message from one of her close friends, and she responded. And then after she got another message in return saying something about, I bought a travel trailer, and my mom realizing that that sounded unlikely, Uh, She took a closer look, and she saw something along the lines of, if it were my account, instead of saying Toby Molina, it said Toby Nalina.
0: So it was a misspelled, slightly misspelled
1: name. Correct. And so I said, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Freeze. Don't do anything else. Let's take a look. And I've had this happen to, uh, actually, we had this happen to us recently. A friend had her Facebook page cloned. And somebody was out there trying to refriend people, get people to send information, just sort of putting feelers out to see if they could spoof uh, other people into thinking that they were this friend. Right. And so I said, she she told her friend right away. But I also let her know that there's something that she can do to report this account. It's very important to let Facebook know right away when a fake account is out there.
0: That somebody is impersonating another of your existing friends correct
1: and so there is some there is a pretty straightforward methodology for reporting a face fake uh, Facebook account um, that's an account where someone's pretending to be someone something or someone that doesn't exist so either it's a fake account or they've cloned somebody's page or if they it's so easy to, to steal somebody else's photos they sure. downloaded somebody else's photos and created a new account that looks, Almost exactly like the other person's page, but not quite. The name isn't quite right, or the, there, are, you know, a number of things that you might find. Uh, our friend's page was cloned, um, and the name was the same, but the cover picture was slightly different. Oh, yeah, and that's right. how we figured out which was which. It's easy to be taken. It's it's easy to be taken in. I mean, this is Completely. not just you know everybody's used to make quick uh, transactions on Facebook, and one of the things to say is um, always be leery. I hate to say that, but it's true.
0: Well, that's, that's, that's good advice on the internet in general, and it's probably even more apt on Facebook. And this is the, that scenario where you'll often see someone on Facebook will say, please ignore any friend requests from me. My, my, my page has been hacked but chances are their page hasn't really been hacked. In other words, someone hasn't figured out what their password is and been able to sign in under their account. Chances are their page was just cloned and somebody is using maybe a slightly different misspelling or slightly different spelling of their name, um, to attempt to garner, to harvest friends and then therefore get personal information from, um, from those other friends.
1: Exactly.
0: And you're right. It's easy to fall for it because you see, uh, you know, I'm getting a friend request. A fr- Toby, F- Toby Molina would like to be friends on Facebook. Well, of course, I'm going to click that. I'm going to click the accept button. And then a nanosecond later, you might think, but wait, I'm already right. friends.
1: Right. <laughs> that, that's another thing to keep an eye out for. This happened to my mom right before she responded to that message. Yeah this person she thought was asking to friend her and I said, but aren't you already friends?" And she said yes, it didn't even occur to me yeah So you do things quickly you have a list of people who want to be your friend you don't really think it through click 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 yes, yes yes yep and so it always pays to just take a beat yep. you know, just take an extra second, take a look, make sure it's real make sure it looks right. Hey, aren't I already friends with them? Um, it just it's easy for this stuff to snowball quickly completely. Uh, So if you find that you have found a fake account or a cloned account or something sounds suspicious, always tell the person who is the keeper of the real account. And then if you go to the profile of the fake account and underneath where the cover photo is, Mm -hmm. the top, the big photo at top, there are three little dots and ellipsis. Right. Click on that and you'll find find support or report profile.
0: Find support or report profile,
1: and then when you click through to that, you'll see a whole bunch of uh, different options asking you know, what you're reporting. You're reporting a fake account, you're reporting abuse. You know there are a number of things that you can th- then dig down, and then it'll give you the option: Do you want to block the account? You know what what further actions do you want to take to protect yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can delete p- a conversation thread if something you know somebody is weirdly. You know that's funny. It just made me realize today I got a text. From a number that was not in my contacts, that said to me, "How are you?"
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it just—I forgot about it because there's no way I'm going to respond. Right. I mean, it was my first reaction was to write, "Who is this?" Right. And then I thought, "What am I doing?" Yeah. Don't even, <laughs> don't, don't even give them that satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, that was a tangent. But I just remembered now—that's that an I, important I, one. Yeah, yeah. I got that text today, and you need to not even take that bait. Maybe it was somebody who I know who was trying to text me, but if it were, you'd think they'd followed up with, "Hi, this is Sam." Right. You may, you know. Yeah. You may not remember me, or you may not have my phone number in your phone, or whatever. I got a new phone. Yeah, but I never, uh, I didn't even respond, and I completely forgot about it. Because, but my first impulse, and I know about this stuff. I read about it every (laughs) day. You're the point and click research desk, for goodness' sake. My first impulse (laughs) was to. Respond, and then I stopped, and then I realized I haven't done anything more, and I didn't even tell you. I'm telling you now.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. Thank you for for, for that transparency.
1: So should anything happen on Facebook along those lines that you find suspicious, tell the person whose account you think is being affected. Right. Confirm. That it is an issue. You don't want to be reporting your friend's account and having that frozen. That could be a problem because right. getting something unfrozen once it, once it's frozen can be dastardly yeah. with Facebook because there's no human beings to talk to. <laughs> that's right. Um, and then once you've confirmed that there is something weird going on or some – very often what you'll find is that when people clone these accounts, they'll start posting, you know, Ray-Ban ads. That's, right, you know, yeah. They start posting ads or weird things that you know you this friend of yours would never do, and that's the, one of the first clues. Um, And then go into Facebook, go to that fake account and report it Mm because it's very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, strictly speaking, you don't have to report it. It's a you know three or four step process. They do a pretty good job of actually walking you through the process. It's very. What easy. are you uh, reporting? Is it someone else's account? Is they are they impersonating a celebrity or a friend of yours? They, they make it pretty easy. And like I like I said, you don't have to do that, but it's kind of being a good Facebook citizen to do that because it will get that account deleted and prevent that nefarious um, fake friend from doing any damage to other people who maybe not have heard this show and ended up falling for it
1: that's why i encourage people to do it because it is it it, very easy you're doing a good thing and it is a piece of cake it'll take you a minute
0: and it'll be satisfying you'll get like
1: yeah i gotcha (laughs) it was really (laughs) satisfying (laughs) it really is
0: so that's how to spot and and report your fake friends You're listening to Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX with yours truly, Jim Hyde, along with Toby Molina and Bob Lawton, who has the night off. Well, the Internet is in the news in a couple of other ways this week. First, the White House is warning companies that Russia could be planning to launch cyber attacks against critical U.S. infrastructure. I'm reading here from a CNN.com article. The U.S. has previously warned about the Russian government's capabilities to digitally attack U.S. companies, but President Biden reiterated the message on Monday, saying in a statement that, quote, evolving intelligence showed Russia is, quote, exploring options for potential cyber attacks. Hackers associated with Russian Internet addresses have been scanning the networks of five U.S. energy companies in a possible prelude to hacking attempts, the FBI said, in a March 18th advisory to U.S. businesses obtained by CNN. There are at least 18 U.S. companies in other sectors, such as defense and financial services, that were subject to the scanning, the FBI said. The FBI memo states, quote, This scanning activity has increased since the start of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, leading to a greater possibility of future intrusions. And speaking of internet calamities, a massive outage took out most of Apple's internet-related services the other day, and some problems were persisting as recently as yesterday for some users, according to an Apple system status page. Services that were down for a while included iMessage, which is the system that every Apple product, iPhones, iPads, Macs, use to exchange messages. Apple Maps were also down, which might've been inconvenient for folks who were relying on driving directions while on the road. People weren't able to set up brand new Apple gear for a while either, and people who used the Apple Pay payment system weren't able to buy things. Basically, it was a bad day especially for the people who keep Apple's cloud afloat. Now, there's no evidence to suggest that this was the work of a cyber attack. And indeed, it's much more likely that a major error occurred somewhere in the maze of systems that run a huge set of online services. But it does point out one thing, doesn't it?
1: Yes, because messaging services can and do act up sometimes, It's smart to have a backup plan for communicating with your family members and friends. And uh, yes, you can always pick up the good old-fashioned telephone. (laughs) But in an emergency, phone lines can also be clogged or down completely. Sure. So if you use text messaging to keep in touch with loved ones, uh, friends, et cetera, or anyone important in your life, have a backup messaging system. There are lots of free messaging apps, including um, Telegram, WhatsApp, uh, and Facebook Messenger. Pick one. Make sure those important people also have that app installed, uh, and you'll be ready just in case something like this big crash of the Apple That's uh, online advice. services.
0: You know, you are talking about your folks earlier in the show. We do a lot of texting with yes, your folks. we do. And... Oftentimes, when you text somebody or ask a question and you, hear, you don't hear back, alarm bells go off.
1: I panic and call my brother and sister. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and if the phones are also down, which does certainly happen in this part of the world, you would, that, that level of panic would be accelerated that much more. So it is a real good, let's set up this in the next week or so. Let's kind of create a backup messaging safety net for the fam and say, like, yeah. if you can't reach me through iMessage, if it doesn't seem to work, it doesn't seem to be going through, um, switch over to Telegram or whatever, or, or Facebook Messenger or whatever. Try to, meet, try, try to reach me that way. Yes, of course, pick up the good old-fashioned phone if you need to, um, but, um, but keep in mind the fact that this stuff sometimes goes down.
1: Did you think about the fact that we didn't know that the Apple thing was happening because my parents were here? <laughs> that's that's a good point. If we weren't texting them because they were here. Because
0: they were here. Yeah. We were talking we were actually talking to them in, in the real world. Yeah. And um so yeah, it's you know, and it was a kind of an amazingly large outage for Apple. I mean, it was almost all of their uh, internet services. And um you know that happened. I think facebook and and a lot of related and Instagram and WhatsApp all went down at one point last year sure. because of a little configuration error. I mean, it's just you know the the these giant cloud services can sometimes feel like they're kind of on a house of cards because if somebody makes a what's called a DNS change, domain name service change, um, it can bring it all down
1: and make sure you have Google Maps too. Good, because good point. if Apple Maps goes down. And you're in the middle of a drive somewhere, and, and the it's not working. Uh, be sure that you have Google Maps, which is also free. Yeah, and it's actually a
0: lot of people like it more than more, uh, than, more yeah. than Apple more Maps than Apple has Maps.
1: improved over the years, but yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. If you were driving somewhere and you got uh, and you relied on driving directions because those driving directions feature that was also down in Apple's Maps, so Fascinating. yeah,
1: yeah. You know, that that's actually gives me uh, just one thing that I was thinking about uh, when the folks left was how we use location tracking.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great tip. Share that.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you can do this in all sorts of uh, phone OSs. I don't know about uh, Android huh. uh, like I do about the iPhone. But in the iPhone, you can use uh, your Messages app to share your location for a day right. with somebody. And when the folks are driving down south, they had a nine-hour drive ahead of them, I grabbed my dad's phone. I went into our shared thread, the the text message thread that he and I have. I went to the uh, – it clicked on me at the top. And then the next screen lets you share your location one time. You can share your current location or you can choose your location for an hour for the rest of the day. Or forever. Or all the time. Yeah. Uh, I have your location. I know where you are all the time. What? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know where I am. I think I do. Oddly, I also know where your brother George is. I don't know how that happened, but I always know where he is. <laughs> but that is a really nice feature. So we followed them on their way down on their stop in Petaluma. At their stop at Lost Hills to have their sandwiches at a picnic table. Uh, And we were able to watch them make their their way back down south.
0: Yeah, that's a great, great thing to do when you have, when you're on a long drive, you can share your location with the person who you're going to visit. And they can just kind of keep tabs on where you are to know, like, like, oh, but they're going to be here in a half an hour, I better jump in the shower. Um, Or when someone who's been visiting you, Leaves for a long drive, you can have them do it, and um, and then you can have that peace of mind of knowing kind of where they are.
1: Yeah, or what, that they've gotten to Boonville because they've disappeared.
0: Well, yeah, there is that. There is that. It does require that uh, you have cell service um, in order for that to work. Um, and and I like the I like the array of sharing options there, so that you know you may not let want to let no, somebody know where you are all the time but you can let them know for the next 24 hours or they can let you know
1: and there's also apps like Find My Friend and there are a lot of different ways to do this sort of thing but it happens to be that Messages is installed on your phone it's very easy on your iPhone I'm sure there's an Android equivalent uh, and it's just a great way to keep track of each other particularly when you're on a trip and you want to know where somebody is and you want to know when you have to take that shower because they'll be there in an hour (laughs)
0: It's a great (laughs) way to keep tabs on someone when you need to. Every breath you take Every move you make
1: Every bond you break Every step you take I'll be watching you Every single day Every word you say Every game you play Every night you stay
0: I'll be watching you. Oh, and next up, here's a grab bag of things that blazed across our browser windows this past week iOS 15.4, a new version of the operating system that runs the iPhones rolled out last week, and it brings with it um, a bunch of new features, including a gender-neutral voice for Siri, which is kind of interesting, and 37 new emojis, 37 of those little symbols that you can send to your friends, assuming that the messages feature uh, is actually up and that it didn't crash. Um, And um, I got to say, I like a lot of these. I like the sliding board. There's a slide.
1: A slide.
0: A slide. So if you're play- at the playground, you can just send that. There's a disco ball for when you're at the discotheque. <laughs> <laughs> there's, the, uh, there's an x-ray. Um, it's a kind of, sort of a rib, uh, an x-ray of a, of, a rib, of a rib cage. There's a battery that is almost completely drained. So that's a good way to use a little bit more battery power by telling someone that your battery is almost dead. That's um, a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what else? What else we have here?
1: Uh, there looks to me something like three beans. What does a bean mean? You know, what does a bean mean? And what does three beans mean? Yeah. Those could be potatoes or something far more graphic, but I think <laughs> they are beans.
0: <laughs> no doubt people will use them for that.
1: A crutch, oh. um, a variety of people shaking hands,
0: Yeah,
1: uh, a glass spilling these, – these do seem so random – uh, a glass spilling out some liquid. There's a tire. None of these, you know, leap out to me as something that I will use.
0: This is a lifesaver, not the candy with a hole, but the but an actual like, you know, a life preserver that you throw off of a boat.
1: But it's always nice to know that you have more visual language to share with others who wish you would just send them words instead of pictures. <laughs> I'll definitely
0: use the disco ball. I don't know about you. <laughs>
1: I'll require you to show me your moves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 now I'm
0: in trouble. <laughs> what else do we have?
1: Uh, Starlink is raising their prices. Ooh. They say due to an excessive A level of inflation, the Mm. price of the Starlink kit is increasing from $499 to $549. That's the dish that you actually need to get For deposit holders. And $599 for all new orders effective today. So I guess that means that if you've paid $499 and you haven't yet gotten your... Uh, initial setup package, your dish, etc., they're going to charge you another $50. They're,
0: they're going to want a much bigger check.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. And uh, $599 for all new orders. uh uh-huh. um, And that's effective immediately. Uh, in addition, the Starlink monthly service price will increase from $99 to $110. Ooh. And that new price will apply to subscriptions starting on uh, April 24th of this year.
0: Okay. We know a lot of people in the area who are using Starlink, and um, and with really good results. It's gotten much more reliable since the early days now that they've launched more satellites, um, which is a controversial subject in itself, which is probably the subject of another show. Um, But the download speeds seem to be in the 200 to 250 megabits per second ballpark, which is really quite fast. That's, you know, comparable to a lot of big city internet Um, The upload speeds are much slower, in the order of 10 to 20, 25 megabits per second up. Um, Download is generally what you need more of anyway to be able to watch, you know, high definition streaming movies and things like that. And even those slower up upload speeds are still fast enough to be doing the Zoom meetings and that sort of thing that a lot of people are doing these days. Um, But it is interesting that the price now has gone from 99 bucks to what is it, 110?
1: 110. 110. And there's only one tier. I don't know if they'll be rolling out more tiers of service, but right now there is only a single tier. And if you don't want to continue your service, if that's just a little bit too much um, uh, practically or just uh, emotionally (laughs) to pay, uh, you can cancel any time and return your Starlink hardware within your first year of service for a partial refund of $200. Hmm. And if you've received your Starlink uh, kit in the past 30 days, you can return it for a full refund. Oh, cool! And of course, if you just put a deposit down, you could just cancel your order.
0: Right, right. I, I, I sniffed around on some of the message boards um, on Starlink on on Facebook and Reddit, and a lot of people said, "Yeah, I'm not getting rid of it. Um, you know, I, I, can, I can I can absorb that because it's kind of like, you know, getting electricity. Um, if you have not had fast internet, and of course most Starlink customers have not, um, they're not being uh, they're not going to be willing to give it up." And uh, for the uh, to save an extra eleven dollars a month. And speaking of fast internet, if you live in the Fort Bragg area, there's another new option. I'm um, from one of the oldest internet providers in Mendocino County, Mendocino Community Network. Uh, they have recently launched a new service. We talked to uh, um, the business manager from MCN oh, last July or so. And he was kind of hinting at this new um, wireless internet service that they're, uh, that they're uh, we're going to be launching. Well, it's available now. Uh, it's called Open Air, and it works in the way that, um, uh, it, that a lot of wireless internet providers like Further Reach um, operate, where they're using little tiny antennas on tops of buildings. This is not 5G, this is not cellular, it's a low power radio that provides speeds. Um, that are really pretty competitive. Um, they have pricing. It looks like I'm looking at the page here. If you go to mcn.org openair you can look at the various tiers and prices that they have. It starts at $49, uh, $49.95 a month uh, for residential pricing, uh, 50 megabit per second downloads and up to 10 uploads with no data cap. Uh, there's a one-time setup fee of hundred bucks. It includes the wireless router. Uh, for 69.95, you get 100 megabits down, so twice the speed down, twice the speed up. At 20 megabits again, no data cap, not, not to worry about running into a uh, into a, into a cap because you've been watching a lot of streaming movies, for example. Uh, so that's 49.95 and 69.95, and they also have business pricing. You can check it out at mcn.org/slash/openair. And they have a a process for for installing. You fill out in an online uh, sign-up form. Then they will come out and confirm that it will actually work at your site because this is the kind of technology that requires line of sight. You have to be able to see the antenna on your roof, has to be able to see an antenna on someone else's roof or one of the main uh, MCN relays. So that's the survey. And then finally, um, a, a, an, an MCN tech will come and install the radio and connect it to the router that they'll bring. And that takes, uh, they estimate about the three hours. So um, you can give them a buzz to, to ask them more. They're at 937-1444. Or you can, uh, like I said, check out the website at mcn.org openair there's a lot of other interesting news from MCN. For example, they have a new webmail interface, that interface that you can use to check your email from any web browser. Um, we'll get Sage from MCN on the air on a future show to talk about the new open air feature and some more um, other new MCN goodies. But meanwhile, we covered uh, one potential security threat at the beginning of the show that whole fake friends. Business on Facebook, but um, there's another new threat, yet another new threat out there too, right?
1: Yeah, this one actually is a serious and easily uh, fools everybody. Oh. Just when you thought you'd seen every phishing trick out there, <laughs> BitB comes along. That's B I T B. B I T B. So it's and pronounced BitBee. Yeah, that's short for browser in the browser. Oh. And, it, and so I'm going to get a little nerdy here, um, but Stay with me because this is actually uh, serious and easy for anybody to fall for. So it uses a fake browser window inside a real browser window to spoof what's called an OAuth page. And we've all seen these, although we most of us don't know what they're called. But hundreds of thousands of sites use the OAuth protocol to let visitors log in using their existing accounts with companies like Google facebook Mm. or apple sure so you go to a new site and they say hey you want to make an account do you want to use your facebook account and you say sure and you click the button and this way instead of having to create an account on the new site visitors can use an account they already have and the magic of oauth does the rest the new site actually doesn't access because this window pops up in front of the browser, but it does when it works correctly and it's not trying to steal your information, yeah, right. is it keeps uh, th- that secure information with Facebook. The new site doesn't get your login information. Right,
0: right, right, right.
1: It just accesses, accesses it through this OAuth page. Okay. The BitBee technique capitalizes on this scheme. And instead of opening a genuine second browser window that's connected to the site facilitating the login or payment, BitBee uses a series of HTML and other uh, more complex tricks to convincingly spoof that second window. Wow. So it looks like you are logging into your Facebook account, but in fact, it's a spoof that is grabbing your information. So
0: it's like the cyber equivalent of the Roadrunner cartoons where he'd put down a painting of the road.
1: Correct. (laughs) (laughs) But it really wasn't the road. And And the coyote
0: would run into a wall.
1: And flatten himself. Or off a cliff. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So the URL that appears there can show a valid address, complete with a padlock and HTTPS prefix. Oh. The layout and behavior of the window appear identical to the real thing.
0: Oh, man. Wow. So how do you protect yourself?
1: The method is convincing, but it has a few weaknesses. Uh, That should give any savvy visitor a foolproof way to detect that something's wrong. A genuine OAuth or payment window is, in fact, a separate browser instance that's distinct from the primary page. That means a user can drag it anywhere, including over the address bar of the primary window. So if that window Mm. pops up... And you aren't sure or you just want to be extra careful. I did it today. Wow. I never use my Facebook. I mean, I don't use Facebook very much, but I don't use my other accounts to create.
0: Right. And we recommend against that. We'll talk about that more in a minute.
1: Um, but I had that pop up today, and I did exactly that. I pick, I grabbed the window, and I saw that I could move it around, and I knew that it was real.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Um, so that that's a number one way that you know if it is spawns a separate window a separate browser window then you know that it's the real deal mm-hmm. um you know by contrast the b the bit b windows are not separate browser instances at all instead they're illustrations rendered by html that are contained in the primary window they're fake paintings of the highway exactly <laughs> uh-huh. so that means the fake pages can't um, cover the address bar of the primary window because they're part of it.
0: That's a, that's a technical mouthful. Um, and I think one solid piece of advice, and it's one that we have shared on the show many times before is to not use that way of signing up for websites or logging into websites. Um, there's no reason to say to Mark Zuckerberg, Hey, I'll give you my Facebook set of keys to be able to sign into some other website because that obviously also gives him some information about whether what, what other websites you're signed into.
1: But I do want to point out, when those windows pop up, it usually says, use my Facebook account, use my Amazon payments or, or whatever. It gives you an option of using a, a number of... It also will say, create an account. Yeah, true, true. So it can be grabbing your brand new password and login. Man. So, you know... We, we never suggest using Facebook or whatever to, to log into or create new um, logins to new sites. Yeah. However, this phishing, this spoofing can grab anything. Amazing. So. Amazing. Yeah. So um, So all users should protect their accounts with two-factor uh, authentication.
0: That's the best piece of advice right there.
1: Yeah, a, make sure that that window that's popping up is indeed a separate window. It's not just a window, a, you know, a browser within the browser. A,
0: a picture of a browser window,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, and use two-factor authentication. And, and all of this feels like a real pain in the nose, I know. Um, you know, you and I have had this conversation. You advocate this stuff, and then I find out you're using the same password for 12 things. <laughs> and, you know, even even those of us who know better than most how how dangerous this stuff can be, it's easy to get hung up on what a hassle it is. Or when, yeah. they, you know, you call from the next room and say, what's the Netflix password? And I say, it's 97 characters long, and you need to look it up in our password uh, storage software. And you cuss. Because it's because it's inconvenient. Yeah, it's worth it. It's a pain, and I I understand, but it really is worth it. Unique passwords for every site. Two factor authentication. Don't use the same password, you know, over and over again. Yep. Don't make the password your birthday or your parents' birthday or your dog's name or anything anybody can figure out. It's it's just you're you're asking for it. And even though you say it's just for my New York magazine subscription. Uh, every site that somebody can get into gives them entree into more information. You just you don't suspect it, but even the most innocuous of sites sure. gives uh, a, an evildoer access to your information.
0: Because they might get into a site that you don't really think, well, this is not my bank account, it's not pretty... But you may go into the... They could go into the settings and find out your... What's your secret question? You know, what 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 school did you go to, and that could be one piece of information that maybe use you. Maybe you use that same tidbit of information for your bank account or some m- more important quote unquote website.
1: Exactly, and every little bit of information is is a step closer to getting to something that's really important.
0: Sure, sure. So if you want to learn more about the bit, because admittedly there's some technical geekery going on behind the, the, the exploit. And it's kind of hard to describe in a short radio show, but um, it's worth reading up about. If you go to the search engine of your choice and do a search for BitB, that's the, the word Bit, B-I-T, and the, and the letter B, just BitB, um, you'll find more in, uh, information. But um, it's worth paying attention to and not falling prey to the Roadrunners fake Painting of the highway. <laughs>
1: if
0: you're on a highway road running on a beep beep, just a beside you might end up in a heaty. Road runner, road runner, runs on the road all day. Even the coyote can't make a change, he's ways. You're listening to Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, Mendocino County public broadcasting in Philo. Toby Molina and yours truly, Jim Hyde, with you. Bob Lawton has the night off. He's on assignment. A reminder that this show is pre recorded, so we won't be taking calls tonight. And we will have more tips and news for you after the break. <laughs> down. Poor <laughs> Earlier this month, Apple introduced a bunch of new hardware, as we talked about on a previous show, including the Mac Studio, the new Mac Mini-like small machine with the new M1 Max and M1 Ultra chips, computer on a chip's in them. Uh, This is the latest Apple Silicon chips, this stuff that Apple has released in its move away from the Intel platform. Well, some of the reviews of the uh, uh, Mac Studio are coming out and they are very, very positive. A new review that came out last week in arstechnica.com calls the Mac Studio all the Mac most people will need and says the Mac Studio shows us exactly why Apple left Intel behind. Uh, there are a couple of models and configurations of the Mac Studio, as you know. Uh, the low-end version starts at $1,900. Then there's the uh, there's a, a high-end version that starts at I think $3,900. Well, according to the review that I've read, um, you don't need the high uh, the high-end model unless you're doing a lot of ultra complex rendering of 3D graphics or video editings of uh, of 4 and 8K videos, or you're compiling, you're a programmer compiling massive applications. um, The $1,900 version is a screamer um, by any standard. Um, It looks like a really appealing computer. Um, Lots and lots of ports on the back. It's a it's a small little package, um, a little cube basically that sits on your desk. Um, and has a, a, a socket up front for inserting a memory card from a digital camera or a, a digital video camera. It does not include a lot, including a display. This is not an iMac. It's not a, a, an all-in-one kind of computer. So you need to throw in a, a, a separate monitor. Apple has a brand new one called the Studio Display. It's pricey. It looks very cool, but it's probably more than you want to spend Uh, because you can get really nice um, high-definition displays for just a couple of hundred dollars. And it does not include a keyboard or a mouse. Apple has kind of borrowed from its approach with the Mac Mini. So you just get the box, you add a display, you add a monitor, you add a keyboard. Um, But if you are Doing more high-end stuff, you're working with Photoshop, you're working with digital video, you're working with 3D graphics, or you're a high-end, you're a gamer. Um, a computer like the Mac Studio it looks like it's a really nice uh, a choice in terms of its price to performance ratio. Um, Apple has not yet come out with a 27-inch iMac Built around the new M1 chip, uh, some people are saying it may be it may be sometime it may be not at all. It may be that the Mac Studio kind of fills that need, or if you need the bigger display, then you get the uh, the Mac Studio and a separate display. But in the meantime, it's the, uh, the the Mac Studio family really looks like the biggest, best bang for the buck in the Mac world. Now the other um, new piece of hardware that's getting some pretty pretty nice marks is the new um, iPad
1: Air. Yes. It's a great tablet, but still not a full laptop replacement. Mm, Sure. Um, It's got a nice screen, excellent performance, respectable battery life, and the new M1 chip. And that is the original chip that was put into the first generation of M1 laptops.
0: So this is the first um, iPad Air that has the Apple Silicon M1 chip in it, right? Correct. Correct.
1: And um I heard a great uh, I read a great comparison. If the if Apple's regular $329 iPad is the equivalent of a perfectly adequate two-door economy hatchback, <laughs> then the new $599 iPad Air is a faster, flashier sedan with better trim. Sure, they do many of the same things, but everything runs a little better and looks a little bit nicer on the air. I like that. Uh, the screen is 10.9 inches diagonal. Mm-hmm. That's a nice. So,
0: this is the big size, not the iPad Mini.
1: Right. Uh, the battery life, uh, if used intermittently, it'll last for several days uh, of occasional use, or between seven and eight hours during a single stretch of sustained power movie watching. <laughs> um, uh, it has a USB-C port, and that is not just for charging. Uh, with the right cable or adapter, you can attach cameras, mice, hard drives, um, and even some monitors.
0: That's to the pretty cool. So yeah. that really starts the iPad getting to yeah, okay, it's not a laptop replacement, so you claim. Although it's getting close in a world where you can use a Bluetooth keyboard and a display, you can have your iPad displayed on your you know on your big on your big screen.
1: You can run two apps side-by-side on an iPad Air, plus fire up another in a slide-over window.
0: Yeah, that weird. Um, (laughs)
1: But the gestures you'll need to make all that happen can take a lot of getting used to. Mm, Yeah. You know, I think it's still – this is still not, for most people, a laptop replacement. And also there's the economics of the thing. Um, They – the they start 64 uh, gigs of storage they start at $599 now 64 gigabytes may not be enough yeah. but that's the base model so then a re- reliable keyboard which will run you at least about 150 bucks up to you know $299 for the mac uh, magic uh, the apple magic keyboard mm-hmm. and then an apple pencil or a, a, <laughs> right. a you know a dongle with multiple usb ports et cetera. Um, you're going to start talking about you know, upwards of $1,000. And as you start to get there and you're starting to outfit this to be a computer, quote-unquote, does it start to make sense for you just to buy a laptop? Yeah. To, buy the, Mac, to, to buy the MacBook Air with right. the original M1 chip, and, uh, which is, um, it, it might start making more sense. So sure. as a tablet, This is a great option. Uh, And probably if you are a casual user, somebody who's using it to browse the web and to watch movies, use FaceTime, et cetera, you can probably buy this iPad and not replace it for several years. Sure.
0: So pretty cool. The new Mac Studio machines look like really nice advanced user machines. And then the new iPad Air looks like a great kind of general purpose Flashier than the low end iPad, but uh, still a reasonably affordable um, iPad. Computer. Computer. And finally, we'll wrap up tonight's show with a tip that anyone who uses a web browser should appreciate. We've talked about this in various forms before, but there's a new development uh, for you Chrome users out there that we want to share. Um, I don't need to tell you that most web pages are festooned with ads that distract you from the actual content that you want to see.
1: You do not need to tell me that. <laughs> well, I just told you that anyway.
0: <laughs> well, there are modes. There's a mode in Apple's Safari browser, and this exists on the Mac and also on the iPad OS and the iPhone, the iOS operating system for iPhones. And that is a reader view, where if you activate this view once you get to a web page that's festooned with ads, the browser will strip all that stuff out of it and just display the text and images that you actually came there to look at to begin with. And this works on the vast majority of, for example, newspaper websites or weblogs or magazine websites. Um, And in order to get to it, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. If you're using the desktop version of Safari, there is a little icon that looks like a little tiny page and it appears up in the address bar, that area at the top of your browser window where you enter your www stuff. And if you click that little icon, it will activate the reader view and make the junk stuff go away. You can also go to the view menu and choose reader view and that will have the same effect. And there's a keyboard shortcut for it as well. Now, if you don't see that little icon, that means that Safari is unable to figure out how to strip the junk and just show you the stuff that you came to see. Um, depending on how the web page is put together, sometimes Safari is not able to figure out, oh, that's the main body of the page. This is the stuff that they want to see, and I'll remove everything else. So you may not always see that icon, but in a lot of cases, most cases, you're able to see that page when you go to, like I said, newspaper websites, blogs, um, magazine websites, and, um, and the like. This is not only great for reading a page on the screen without all the blinking, flashing stuff, but it's also really useful if you want to print the page contents, because then you can print it without having to print all that flashing, blinking stuff. So that works in, in, uh, in, in Safari, but Google, bless its heart, doesn't want to have a built-in version of the feature that um that removes the ads because Google is one of the largest advertisers on the web advertising networks on the web but um there is a solution isn't there
1: that is an extension called Just Read Just Read and you can find that in the uh, Chrome extension store. library yeah. store and uh, if you store, if you install this extension uh, with a click, you can remove distractions like page styling, ads, pop-ups, comments, etc. And um, users can use default white and dark, uh, white and dark themes. Uh, modify themes. Apparently, people uh, design themes that you can download from oh, a wow. uh, a, uh, a a page with these custom themes. Um, you can, uh, auto run, just read format on specific sites. Lots of, uh, there are lots of features, really super feature rich. And then there's a premium version and it seems uh, worth it. If you're going to make use of this, the premium account is $1 a month. I can do that. And it's charged annually. So oh, nice. $12 at a time. Uh, meaning that you can share pages you can text annotate and highlight you can make custom scroll bars you can there's some auto uh, scroll functionality uh, gradient text lines for improved readability oh wow Um, this actually sounds very interesting to me (laughs) i'm going (laughs) to give this i'm going to give the free one a try and we'll see maybe i'll be willing to pony up the dollar a month
0: Good information here on Point and Click Radio. (laughs) I like it. So that's the Just Read extension for Chrome. And um, I'm sure there are equivalent extensions for the other browsers out there, the Firefoxes, the Braves of the world. Um, But the bottom line is if you use a web browser, and I'm guessing that you do, and you're not fond of seeing all that flashing junk on the page, and I'm guessing you're not, Um, the reader mode in Safari and extensions like Just Read can help spare your eyeballs. And save ink if you uh, decide to print your articles. And speaking of printing, it's worth mentioning a website that Bob and I have mentioned many times on the show over the years, Um, but it's worth mentioning again. And that is a site called printwhatyoulike.com. Printwhatyoulike.com. If you want to print out an article or some other content from the web, but maybe you only want some of it, you only want the main part of a recipe or a set of how-to instructions or a set of directions, and you don't want all the ads and all the other junk, Um, printwhatyoulike.com is a really interesting option. It is a website that you can enter a, a web address into its into its page and then you get this little interactive window where you can choose what you want to print. You can say auto-format it for me and it will make its best guess, kind of the way the, uh, the reader modes in browsers like Safari work and, and like Just Read works, where it will make its best guess on what the main content of the article is. But you can also go in and isolate or remove certain specific parts of the page. Maybe you only want a couple of paragraphs and a picture, or maybe you want all of the text, but no pictures. You can select different things and say, remove, reformat. You can then print that page, or you can save it as a PDF file or as an HTML web page that you can then do other things, like copy the text out of. It's called printwhatyoulike.com. It's been around for years. Uh, like well over 10 years. And I'm a big fan. I don't print web pages as much as I used to, but sometimes I still do. And when I do, printwhatyoulike.com is really useful. It has a little, what they call bookmarklet, where you can drag this little thing up to the bookmarks bar, that little optional bar in your web browser that appears above the, uh, the uh, or below the location bar, the URL bar. And when you're on a web page, let's say you're on the New York Times website, and you're looking at an article and you want to selectively print, you just click that little bookmarklet and it will give you that set of controls that I just described, where you can remove certain things, isolate certain things and do other things with it. So printwhatyoulike.com is another great tool in your toolbox for getting rid of the junk that you don't want to print and keeping the stuff that you do. And finally, for you Mac folks, it's worth reminding you that you can save a web page as a PDF file that you can then email to someone else or save it on your hard drive or wherever you like. Let's again say that you're on the New York Times website and you want to save an article as a PDF, go up to the file menu, choose print, and you'll see in the lower left corner an option that says save as PDF If you choose that option, you can then save that web page as a PDF and then you'll have it and be able to email it to someone else. Now that works in Safari and Firefox. If you use Chrome, the the procedure is a little bit different because for reasons only known to Google, Google has its own print dialog box in the Chrome browser. So in Chrome, choose print, and then at the bottom of the dialog box, you'll see an option that says more settings. Click that and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see an option called Open PDF in Preview. That will give you the same result. It'll create a PDF of that page, switch you over to the Preview app where you'll see the page. On Apple's mobile devices, the iPhone and the iPad, there's a similar feature that's kind of tricky. It's not at all apparent, but it works really well when you're in the Safari browser. You can click the little, your tap, I should say, the little share icon, the little box with the up pointing arrow in it, and then choose print, and you get the little preview, the little preview of what the printed document would look like, but then pinch to enlarge it to fill the screen, enlarge that little preview, and then you're looking at a PDF of that page. It's a cool tip. Whenever I show this to someone, it blows their mind. You can then use that little share icon again, the little box with the arrow pointing up, to save that PDF or email it to someone. So there you go. There's a whole big grab bag of ways to only see what you want to see on a web page or only print what you want to print and to be able to save a web page as a PDF. And with that handy tip, we're going to bring this edition of Point and Click Radio to a close. We covered a lot of different topics in this show and mentioned some tips and some websites. Remember, you can always access the archives of Point and Click Radio by going to the amazing KZYX Jukebox. That is at jukebox.kzyx.org. There's no www in there, just jukebox.kzyx.org where you can also subscribe to & Click Radio as a podcast so you don't miss any installments. And you can also listen to all of KZYX's programming, public affairs, music programs, and so forth, national, local, and otherwise, in case you missed them. That's (music) jukebox.kzyx.org.